Hello and welcome to the Football Academy podcast. I am here, Braden, tonight. With me is William Webb. You can find him on uh, the socials at TFA Rizzler. Will, how's it going tonight? I just spent the last 30 minutes of my day trying to get my fucking technology working. Um, Y'all all saw the game this weekend. I got off work and it was a lot of number crunching. Um, you know, like Joe Biden forgave student debt today. That's all I fucking got that's positive. I have nothing nice to say. I'm not in the best of moods. This episode should be fun. My drink is 88% uh, cachaça instead of just being a caparina. It's mostly liquor. It's going to be a good show. God damn it. Ah, a, a nice Brazilian drink. Um, maybe that's what Klopp should have had playing uh, Fabinho. Um, he played the wrong Bobby Brazilian. had had for me before the match, and that's why. <laughs> uh, for me, um, I've mostly just been humming the new uh, Sleba song to myself for most of the week. Um, if you heard it on the broadcast, uh, you really could not miss it. It was the only thing that you could hear for about 30 minutes to the point that the commentators even mentioned when Saliba scored his goal. Well, now we're going to have to hear that song the rest of the game. That's <laughs> like, that's perfect. That's exactly how you should ca- cap off a worldie, by the way. Just an absolutely fantastic oh, yeah. goal. Um, like, I, it, it, one of those, like, it d- injected directly into my veins uh, goals. <laughs> it, it was it was really fantastic. So, we... We've got other games to talk about tonight. Um, and we won't go too much more into arsenal Burnmouth because it, it was kind of just arsenal Burnmouth and a, a fun day for <laughs> Arsenal fans, but we don't need to go in too much more in-depth than that. Uh, so we'll start with the results from last week. Um, so <laughs> this was an interesting uh, set of results for us because uh, I started off uh, pretty hot. I got five of the first six games. I, I figured I was going to cruise uh, to winning this week. Um and then some weird things happened <laughs> the last couple days that undid all of that. Um, so first off, it, it was a good week for all of us. All of us were profitable. Um, that's always a nice thing when uh, when we all come back with a li- little bit more than we uh, outlaid uh, to, at the start of the week. Uh, so this week, Sapoon was in third place with uh, 1,020 pod bucks on an outlay of 1,000. I was second with a return of... Uh, 1115 pod bucks and will fully backing Manchester United to beat Liverpool. It more than doubled his money here. Like a, a, a two twenty three sixty five pod bucks on an outlay of 1000 pod bucks. Will, I hope you actually bet on the games in the, in the uh, words of Sapoon. If you can't be happy, at least be rich. I'm almost kind of okay with, the return if only because i kind of feel like all of my like gesticulating and being afraid of stuff has finally paid off all the years of being afraid of just being right have finally paid off so it's the only victory lap i'll be taking this week because my fucking football team is also but man ah, it's okay I'm a smart gambler, and that makes me feel good. And that's what I'm going to hang my hat on for the rest of the fucking episode. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, seven out of ten correct. Well done. Um, that You can't do a whole lot better than that. So very impressive, Will, even if uh, it had so its sour notes. Uh, <laughs> so with that, um, I think we'll just go ahead and get into last week's games to go over. Uh, so we we got to start at the sad one for you, Will. Um, 
Manchester United defending Old Trafford in the midst of protests. Did were were there protests? Like I, I heard about this like massive walkout at Old Trafford, and then go there. It's like this is the loudest crowd I've heard of Old Trafford in quite a while. But okay, I will tell me. I we'll, we'll just say like what? How was your take on what went wrong? Because not a whole lot went right in my opinion. Uh. I want to start with the fact that, like, I feel like a tidbit of Manchester United winning, winning, winning. Clearly, the drinks already working. Uh, a lot of them winning, I kind of took just a tidbit of, like, I kind of told you so about. Because, and most of the pundits made this very aware throughout the broadcast, it kind of felt like Manchester United, I don't know, let the kids run free. Like I've been saying when Ma- Ole was a manager, like, they let the youth do what the youth does, and all of a sudden, oh my god, turns out Manchester United is a fucking functional team. Also, I don't give a shit what their form is. I have grown up with this fucking team, or watching this team make my fucking nightmares come true. This is the shit that Manchester United does. When the when the chips are, like, down, down, United can come out and pull out a result. And part of me betting on that was the fear that this is going to be what it is. Ten Hag ain't fucking Ole. He can get the best out of his guys when he wants to. And he can also set up a team that can go out and play decent attacking football, young, vibrant football, when he puts his mind to it. They were also aided by the fact that Liverpool, in the most unpleasant way possible, ate a bunch of ass on that pitch. Virgil, <laughs> not in the pleasant way that some of you may uh, be alright with, but in the most unpleasant way, doo-doo draws. Like, Virgil van Dyke was... He We enjoy when he's casual, but when he's too casual, he is too casual. James Milner giving him an earful after him not completely diving for a block, but Milner got caught out there and was upset that he got caught out. The back four was abysmal. I don't need to talk about the midfield. Half of the motherfucking fans in the world wants to sign somebody, but we have half a decent team injured. We looked old. We looked slow. We looked toothless. And I know that there are a bunch of Liverpool fans going, but we typically come out to a slow start. I'm in a shitty mood, so I don't fucking care right now. If you expect to challenge for a championship, regardless of results that happen anywhere else, regardless of who's playing what, or regardless of who the fuck you think you are when you're on that pitch, that performance was hot butt trash. We even giving a goal back. I, To be blunt, yeah, fuck Bruno Fernandez. What a cunt. What an asshole. Holding the ball. Didn't mean shit. We sucked. If you want to blame him, you need to get off your fucking horse and figure out what the fuck is going on with your life because one monkey don't stop no show. And that monkey didn't stop the fucking show. Like, we looked toothless. We didn't look threatening. Again, there's a lot of problems in the midfield, specifically the fact that they're old. I do want to give a little bit of credit to Harvey Elliott because even though he made some mistakes, he looked a promising player on the pitch. And that's super cool if we're playing fucking Bournemouth like we are this week. It's Darby. We got to be better than that. I know there's injuries. I know that we're tired. I know we have a slow start. And I know that I'm unnecessarily mad because it's the first time that we've like lost to Manchester United in a minute. But to circle back to another team that I haven't seen us lose to in a minute, this is the exact same attitude I had when Ohio State lost to Michigan. Yes, <laughs> it's the first time it happened in a minute. And I should not be this worked up about it because there are plenty of games to go. But I don't fucking care. That was a miserable performance. That was a United team that has changed their minds and decided they want to play full marks to Ten Hag, 
full marks Manchester United. Yes, they're, I don't even want to say there's a crisis in Liverpool. I normally say it's a bad day in the office, but I had a bad fucking day in the office. So this bad day in the office is absolutely terrible. Yeah, we'll probably come out and beat Bournemouth. I don't even fucking know about, about that at this point. The worst part about this is there's probably an episode in each of the fucking seasons we've done this where I've popped off like this and then Liverpool's been fine. And that's the worst thing for me is that it could be a slow start and it could be injuries and I could just be pissy for no fucking reason. But after that, man, nah, that's an abysmal performance. And some people need some boots in their fucking asses, including James Milner. You know, maybe play up a little bit more. You won't have to yell at fucking Virgil van Dyke at the back. Manchester United played a fucking great game, and I'm not even going to fault them on that. I'm also done yelling for the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, uh, in my opinion, because, like, you you hit at something that I think is very key for this Liverpool squad, and specifically this Liverpool squad, because you do have some guys coming back from injuries that will help this. But you looked old, and especially you looked old in midfield, where so much of the work is done in, in Klopp's teams, typically, of the kind of, we're going to put Salah up on a wing, he's going to have basically no defensive responsibilities, he's going to be our outlet and, and go score all the goals, and and the reason that works is because you have workhorses in midfield who just harass, press, do all the dirty works, and, and maybe you're missing Sadio Mane on some of that, like, that needs to be part of the conversation, although I think... Diaz has been fine in this area. I I think like I, I a lot of people have talked about like oh they're missing all this like work rate from Mane so I'm like I I, I see Diaz like doing a lot of that stuff like maybe he's Getting not back as, defensively and things like that that Mane would do as well like yeah like it, potentially he's not a, as good as Mane at it like I'm happy to have that conversation and like maybe he's not quite there to set the tone that Mane does because like I, I do think that Mane brings an intensity that Diaz has but maybe isn't quite as infectious to the rest of the team I, I don't know like that's that's stuff that I speculate from being an outsider that I have actually no fucking idea <laughs> like wh- whether that's true or not uh I I will say that where I think Liverpool lost the game again just the age in midfield and you saw it with the way that United counterattacked like this was not long balls down the wing or anything it was very direct passes directly down the mid of liverpool's defense and so like these were passes that were right at where you would expect fabinho or henderson to be typically like that that's what was so surprising to me was that united looked up and like mctominay played a pass that just like, I don't want to say it was a hopeless pass because I, I think he knew what he was. I think he knew what he was trying to do, but I think it was a very, there's someone on me. I need to like get rid of this ball and, and I'm going to put go. it into space. And usually that's the exact type of ball that Liverpool cleans up is that ball that's into space where their presses worked as they wanted to. And now all these guys who cover all the space in midfield recover the ball and they're attacking again. And that's just not anything you saw in this game. Like at no point did you feel that Liverpool was going to do this like siege type thing at the end of the game. They often do. Like, I know they got to go back. I, it's fine. Like I, I, I was kind of like, this comes out of nowhere in some ways. Like I, I, I was very 
I, I well, I wasn't worried because I'm an Arsenal fan, but like <laughs> I looked at this as a worrying performance for Liverpool, and there's a, a couple reasons beyond just this performance as well. I, I know it's only three games into the season, all of that, but like if you look at Salah's expected goals per 90 since he got to Liverpool, it's like 0. 0.76, 0. 0.52, 0. 0.61, 0. 0.71. This year, it's 0.31. Like, basically cutting it in half from the opportunities that he's getting to score goals. And whatever the reason for that is, Liverpool needs to figure that out quickly. Because I don't think it's as simple as, you know, Nunez gets back from suspension and everything is right in the world. Like, I think there's... I I think he helps. I think he would have made a big difference in this game. I, I, I don't think that... I think Veron and Martinez were very happy to have Firmino in there kind of drifting into space and not like directly challenging them. Uh, but I, Liverpool need to figure that out. And I, I was sure that with Nunez out in this game, that we were going to see a return to kind of the like almost force feeding uh, Salah around the goal uh, and just like getting him all the chances and I just never really saw it. And to me, that's a real worrying sign for Liverpool because, look, we gave a 30-year-old a big contract and then let him go to Barcelona for free because it, it wasn't working out. I'm not saying Salah is that, but, like, I have some concerns around there because, like, it, it, you see it all the time in American sports. Guy plays out of his mind on a contract year comes back the next year after he signs this big deal and is just terrible. And I'm not saying it's a lot of that. I'm just saying that's the thing they watch for uh, the rest of the season. So kind of like what we said, it's a real rough match for Liverpool. Lots of things to reflect on. Luckily, I, I think this is something Klopp will figure out. Like, I- I'm not so worried about it, but, like, it's two points out of nine. Like, that's not something you can do and expect to compete for a title so it, it's got to be turned around real real quick uh, for liverpool depending on you know what the goals are uh so i think we've uh, unless you have any additional comments on that will i, I think we can end your pain and, and move to another match i i i don't want to add anything else I just, okay i just want to, I just want to move on <laughs> okay well uh, tell you what let's let's have a a little fun at the expense of another team who who thinks they're a top four mls3 Chelsea won at Ellen Road. Uh, it's, it's a very impressive game uh, from um, Leeds. And I, I know there's jokes. Like, it's fine. Just go with it. Um, this was a really interesting uh, a match, I thought, because I, I don't want to say Chelsea were never in the – like, Chelsea were a competitor for a little while. They get go straight from kickoff and Sterling almost scores. And then – from there, like Leeds just kind of put the press on them and Chelsea didn't really seem to have an answer. And like, if you look at any metric you want, expected goals, uh, actual score of the game, like possession, <laughs> all that sort of thing. Like it was really pretty rough uh, for Chelsea uh, in this game. Uh, so uh, how did you see this one? Will? uh, I saw it with very, very fun eyes. The press from Leeds, I've, I did some – I got down a Red Bull rabbit hole uh, thanks to a 
Tifo in real life got into a big Red Bull psychology Ralph Ragnick teaching his children sort of deal and that was exactly what you would want to see if you are a fan of Red Bull football the pressing was say magnifique uh I think there's something like Mindy made Mindy didn't have the best day at the park and that's that's no one on Chelsea did like I, I think I think it's a key thing whenever the entire team shits a bed and a guy has a bad performance. Like everyone I'm a lot quicker to, to write it off because everyone was terrible. Oh yeah. It, it, Chelsea, j- this is one of those days where I say Chelsea had a bad day at the office, but I think the main problem with me saying that in this particular situation is that it wasn't a bad day at the office that like, looks like it will correct itself. You're essentially coming off of a performance beforehand. That's super emotional. And sometimes you can see teams like step up to the challenge and go, we got tested. Now we're going to come out and lay down the marker. And sometimes you see teams waffle at that. I think the thing to notice about this is that Chelsea had a very emotional match the week before a lot of stuff going into that. A lot of talk after that, a lot of uh, people like us sitting on air going, Oh my God, (laughs) to look too cool in his eye or I'll kill you. And to come back from that and, you know, I'm not afraid to say it. Shit the bed. Hell yeah, I'm more concerned about Liverpool. But if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm also a little concerned because you would hope that your manager getting fired up would light a fire under your ass. But it didn't. I this is more on the performance from Leeds, I would say. Uh, if Jesse Marsh can get the guys who he has in his side playing his brand of football the way that they did then among those Crystal Palaces who are going to give you issues, among those, I'm going to say Aston Villa, because I've run out of other teams who would give you a challenge, like among those teams who are like the bubbling under teams, now all of a sudden you're looking out for leads. The atmosphere at home is always going to be rocking. Jesse Marsh is always going to have these guys playing. And that press is, if you come out a half step behind, a tidbit tired, or just a little bit unright between the ears, they got enough talent, enough speed, and enough <laughs> power and pace, like every other, like that, how they MLS describe team. Yeah, I was just saying, I said power and pace, which is how most English people would describe me if I played football. Um, it's a black guy, Joe. Uh, if you have that much power and pace and you press like that, people are going to come in half-stepping and half-sleeping and Leeds can catch people out. So I think this is more on Leeds playing the Jesse Marsh brand of football And I kind of want to see if they're going to be up to that challenge every single week. If I'm any team walking into Ellen Road now, I'm a little bit scared. But also, I just got to say, I really hope that they would have played party in the USA instead of born in the USA after the game. But, you know, it's whatever. We'll just, I guess, I guess people in England only know one song for Americans that do well. So, yeah, great performance from, uh, I can't say full America, so Leeds essay, I guess. I was really happy uh, for Jesse Marsh in this in this match uh, specifically because I, I know from following American managers when they um, manage overseas, especially in England, if they don't have a good result early on, like people are just very quick to say this guy's trash. Like get someone else. Bob Bradley's such a fucking terrible manager. Exactly. Yeah. Like Bradley didn't even get a transfer window. Like uh, it's like, it's absurd. Um, 
that's why Swansea is not in the Premier League anymore. Um, but I, I was very happy for him to get a result like this because I think it solidifies his position there a little bit. I think you're spot on. The press like leads. I, I made some jokes earlier in the year about like Leeds getting Tyler Adams and not missing Calvin Phillips, but like you look at the way that Tyler Adams like <laughs> ran around the pitch and, and just like got stuck in and really I you have Aronson ahead of him Tyler adds right behind like that's like you talk about pace and power but like that's, that's a mean, lo- that's a mean that's mean I love it yeah and it's a lot of like grit and determination and and fuck you <laughs> like a part of it like there there's a lot to that and I think that this lead team is going to continue to be effective with that they're a good hard-working team um and Chelsea just kind of got caught out. And I, I think one of the key things that would be a little worrying for me if I was a Chelsea fan is, one, it didn't really seem like Tuchel had the answers to to get them out of this. Like, it, it kind of looked like he was on the sideline. Like, I, I, what do you want me What do you want me to do? And, and I some thought of these, if I was like, mad, it would help you guys. <laughs> yeah, like sometimes with, like, Mendy does what happens there. Like, there's no, there's nothing a major can do for that. That's fine. Whatever. We're, we won't go into that too much but like i i don't know like this chelsea team to me looks really dependent on the fitness of ngolo conte and as someone who's like in his 30s and look we're going into a world cup year like i all of these guys when it comes to am i going to risk my fitness for these club teams in you know when it comes october november like i don't know maybe we'll see but, like, I think a lot of these guys are going to have an eye in the World Cup. So I think that's definitely going to be a thing to continue to watch. Um, but to me, this game could be wrapped up in Koulibaly just, like, panicking. <laughs> like, and it's it's this guy who is a, a good player. Like, for sure. Like, he's a good defender. And just, like, committing a second yet, like, committing that foul, which is just a if I don't take this guy down, he is scoring, which I, maybe, but like to, to do that on a yellow, you had to pretty much know that you had a good chance of getting sent off there. And to do that, just like my man want to take a shower. <laughs> he was done. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like, to me, it was just like, he couldn't cope with that environment. And that's a, that's a concern, I think. Not just for like Koulibaly, but I think like just this entire Chelsea team was not able to rise up to the like physical challenge that Leeds put in front of them today. And I that's gonna be something to watch, I think. Like I I've been lower than Tuchel on most. Or, or I've been lower on Tuchel than most have been. Um we'll so, keep watching this, I think. Like this is this is an interesting Chelsea team right now, and I I don't think that bringing in a bombing is going to fix it, so we'll see. <laughs> of course you don't. Yeah, well, fair. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair enough. Uh, moving on to the next match uh, we're going to discuss here. We've got Palace 3, Villa 1, with a really, really good win uh, from the better midfielder of that generation, Patrick Vieira's uh, Crystal Palace. Uh over Aston Villa, um, this game was close at spurts, but there were times that you really just saw Palace pull away. And 
I have not seen Wilfried Zaha just like take over a game like he did in this one. And, and well, I shouldn't say that because like Zaha has been an influential player for several years, especially at Palace. But like, if you go back and watch like what he did in this game, like, yes, he gets the two goals. It's great. But the way that he plays the one, two with Mitchell to set up uh, the cross for Mateta's goal, it's just like, Matty Cash is a decent player, and Zaha just like disrespected that man <laughs> like all day. Like it was, it was something to watch. Um, curious your take on this, Will? It's the same feels as Leeds, maybe not tactic wise, but like I'm not gonna say Villa's like class of the league or anything like that, but I consider them a decent challenge. And for Palace to kind of come out and they go down a goal early. And to come back and to be able to, like, settle themselves, like, they settle themselves. There's a lot to be said about the fact that they played at home. I do think that Selhurst Park, uh, I I make this joke a lot it's about a tough Brighton. Place. Yeah, you talk about Brighton, like, yeah, that's just a fortress. And I always make that joke. I made a bunch of jokes about Selhurst Park, but those fans are, like, on top of you. And they make it hard to play. And a Palace team that can utilize, uh, I'm going to say revitalized, even though... I don't think he's ever necessarily been unvitalized. Wilfred Zaha, uh, a, a concerned, ready and willing to go for a manager who gives a shit, Wilfred Zaha, is a, it's kind of a difference maker. It's kind of what we all expected from him. It's kind of what we wanted from this guy the entire time. This Palace team is going to be a tough draw, no matter who gets him. The performance I saw out of them the past couple weeks and the fact that I've Spent a disproportionate amount of my day-to-day grumpy at work watching Carabao Cup matches when I could have been watching Rangers qualify for the Champions League. Also kind of lets me think that maybe this Crystal Palace team, I say this early on every season, but I'm going to go ahead and pick my team this time. Maybe this Palace team is one of those teams you see threatening for a cup run or like making some inroads to trying to like maybe do some shit in Europe. Yeah, that's a great shout. I was going to say, I always make fun of, like, I keep calling it the Intertoto Cup, but like, for Crystal Palace, the Conference League, if their performances keep playing like this, from everything I've seen from that league, bruh, Crystal Palace can go out there and win that shit if they play, yeah, their, yeah, for if sure. they play their games right. Like, this is very promising for Palace, and I'd definitely be very concerned about them anytime I have to play them at home or on the road. They're a better squad than we're probably giving them credit for. Uh, Ollie Watkins scored, and that helped my fantasy team. And that's all I'm going to say about Villa right now. Yeah, that's a fair point about Villa. Like, I, it's... Shrug emoji. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, to me, they're the most unpredictable team in the Premier League. Like, there are teams I look at and, like, they're pretty bad. Like, maybe they do something, but they're pretty bad. I I don't think that about this Villa team. Like, I think there's talent there. And I'm not I'm not fully ready to just, like, bail on the... Like, Steven Gerrard, like, he should get a little bit more time. We're starting to hear some rumblings if you follow some Villa fans on Twitter. That sort of thing. Some people seem unhappy, but like, I don't know. People on Twitter are always unhappy. So what the fuck else whatever. Should I get? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, but I, I do think there's something you said, like Jared has been backed. Like there is talent on this Villa team and, you know, to lose two nil to Bournemouth to granted a good win against Everton. Like they pretty soundly beat Everton, but like it's Everton. <laughs> Like, I, what else do you want me to say? Uh, and then 
uh, to get pretty thoroughly beaten at Palace, I, I, granted, like, both of the games they lost were away, but you just don't really expect that. I and mean, you especially don't expect the kind of flat performances that you've seen. So I I have some concerns there, but we'll see. I, I Villa are unpredictable, which makes me hate them because we bet on games and, and want predictable <laughs> things. And, and, and it doesn't, we make predictions. All right, so real quick, because I don't think it's a ton to talk about this game, but I think it's moderately interesting. We got uh, Newcastle City playing to a, a really thrilling draw in this game. Like I, I really enjoyed uh, watching this game. Say what we want about ownership, like that's a separate discussion. Just watching the football, like this was a very entertaining match to watch. Uh, I kept saying to myself as I was watching this, I was like, I guarantee the announcers would go, "What a tremendous advert for the Premier League!" And at the end of the fucking match, he's like, "What an advert for the league!" I hear it all the time about the ownership, and I just want to say this on the air in case anyone is listening: every owner of every team is fucking terrible at fucking everything. These guys just happen to be the dirt worst. So it is a very hard time disconnecting the real world from, like, sports. But I'm just going to ask anyone who listens to this show and anyone who just lives in the world, we understand. We know. We get it. I get it in my whole heart. Don't be authoritarian. I get it. But as far as what happened on the pitch, that was fun as shit. And it sucks that the ownership makes it, like, kind of miserable for people to watch. But I'm begging everyone in the world right now to just make some sort of disconnect because the world's already shitty. And I just want to enjoy my football. And that's what this was. It's an enjoyable game of football from every standpoint. If you are a neutral, you got six goals and six pretty decent goals, to be completely honest. If you are a fan of Newcastle, you saw your team come out put it on the champions, put them on their back foot. And the only reason that they were able to like figure themselves out is because, Hey, guess what? They're champions and y'all aren't right now. It's okay. If you're Manchester city, you can take away from this. Y'all still got that dog in y'all. Y'all can still fight back against a team who's supposed to be you, but a couple like, you know, <laughs> shades of Steven Ireland behind you right now. If you're Manchester city, they're supposed Steven to be Ireland. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> That, that dude was my guy for a hot minute, and I can't explain why. He was just kind of saucy. He reminded me of, like, Kyle Corver. I don't know why. Anyway, the, like, you get that sort of vibe that City can still overcome in, in the midst of sort of things like that. Again, if you're neutral, you, you just got goals galore. It was a fantastic game. The atmosphere was great. If you're from Atlanta, dude, Miggy scored against the fucking champions of the Premier League. That's all you fucking want. I lost my Hell yeah. Mind. Hell yeah. <laughs> I legitimately paused the TV and, like, did my own special celebration because I knew I was going to be celebrating shit later on. Directly there. off the back. Like, MLS had a day. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, let me tell you, man. And, and then to watch Atlanta United lay an egg was also, like, miserable. But, like, it made me feel okay for a couple minutes. Like, it was just a fun game of football to watch. I'm going to kind of date myself but also point out something that maybe our older listeners were like, if you want a good advert for the premier league, the game that always sticks out in my head, aside from, sorry, brain, Arsenal, Newcastle, four, four, <laughs> too soon, too soon. Rest too in peace, soon. <laughs> but also the Liverpool, it's always Newcastle, isn't it? Liverpool versus Newcastle, four, four, Stan Collymore ends up uh, tying the game at the end. This had shades of that. This was highly entertaining. I was highly entertained. I will rant and rave about how much I enjoyed this game until it ends me. But, like, 
I, I'm not even going to speak about performances, man. That was just fun to watch. And in a week where I've clearly been pissed off about everything, very, very nice to see a game that was highly, highly entertaining. And you know what? Kudos to City, man. Like, that's what champs do. Come out and earn your stripes. You get beat up and you come back. So, yeah. I. It was the most fun I had this weekend out football terms because I hung out with my friends and they were all lovely. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think City will be a little bit – I think they'll be a little bit disappointed to get a point from this match. But, I, I, you know, at some point you're down to goals in a match and, and you just hope you get something and say so did claw their way back to that and, and deserve some credit for that. Um, I thought Newcastle were very good in this game, and that should be pretty concerning uh, to everyone because <laughs> uh, it, it looks like they're going to get – another pretty big reinforcement in Alexander Izak. Like he's a, a nice, pretty young striker who uh, does a lot of things that Chris Wood does only better. And our apologies, Chris, that's probably, uh, that's probably going to be it for you. (laughs) For for you. Um, Hey, off the bench work for Divock Origi. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Um, I really don't see that for Chris Wood, but okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, lots of credit to Newcastle in this game. Um, a s- interesting incident with VAR. Um, do you have an opinion on whether that's a red card or not? Um, I am kind of undecided because, like, on the one hand, it's a very cynical challenge. Like, it's very, very cynical. But I also kind of think that, yeah, it's a little high, but he's not really, like going through him or anything like it's just kind of like he taps him a little high if that makes sense i blew up when it was first called a red just because i thought like circling back last week yes he did make contact with that man's shin but did he yank him down by the back of his head did he headbutt him in the chin (laughs) nope that ain't red to me dog like and i very quickly turned to my wife and said that i was like i mean he's walking he seems fine his head doesn't hurt nor does his chin. He like, there's a little bit of selling there that gets that call, and I understand it. But like, it was high. But what was pointed out in the broadcast to me that made it okay, the boot was down. Studs weren't up. He was very clearly playing the ball. He was going to follow through as if he was going to do it normally. He, he was not playing the ball. <laughs> there was no ball attempt played there. Like that was a. You're I said ball. ball I didn't specify which one. Fair. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Sometimes KDB needs a KD ball check. It's fine. But, like, he was he was playing it as a normal tackle. Was it a bit brusque? Yes. But because he didn't show studs, I think they get the call right. And also, this is kind of a younger ref in charge of a pretty decently big match. To have the nuts to go to the monitor, he had some iffy calls on the day. But, like, kudos to that crew and kudos to him for taking the second – Kudos to the VAR crew for being like, yo, bro, I don't know if that. And, like, that, that's more what I take away from this. Like, kudos to the ref for kind of taking this chance to get the call right, especially in a high-stakes situation like this, because that could have turned the game on his head. Um, but also, you know, sometimes you get kicked in the shin. Stand up. You're being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, my take on it was – I was surprised it was overturned because I did not think it was like clear and obvious that that was not a red card. I, I feel like if I was 
like seeing all the angles that we see, obviously it's very different when you're actually roughing a match and things happen full speed, but like seeing all the different angles we had, I would have leaned towards the yellow card as opposed to red, but I was kind of surprised that it was overturned after um, it was given a red, but you know, at, this is kind of what we have VAR for. Like, I'm happy the, that like the ref looked at it and said, eh, maybe not. Uh, like, I think it's a good idea to try to keep players on the pitch uh, if we can, um, and and try not to ruin games like that when when it's not like I don't want to say necessary. Like, it's you, you know, it's always at. necessary. Yeah, yeah, like you know what I'm getting at. It's fine. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm I'm happy to see VAR. I think correctly applied in this case, um, if not inconsistently applied as it always does, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> uh, so with that, uh, we're going to take a quick break and then uh, we're going to be back to uh, give you our picks for the upcoming game week. So hang around, maybe use this time to subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating, do what you do. Uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back for the fun part of the episode where we are going to bet our virtual dollars, pod bucks as we call them, on all the games. Uh, if you're new to the Football Academy, first of all, uh, welcome. Uh, hope you subscribe. Hi. Give us a five-star uh, review if you're so inclined. Uh, and, I'm and, only five. <laughs> uh, and, you know, just we're glad you found us. Hopefully you hang around. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Will's at TFA Rizzler. I'm at TFA Braden. Sapoon is who is with us most weeks, not this week. TFA Sapoon. Uh, find us on on the socials there. And uh, we'll just go ahead and get into what we do. Uh, so each week we're going to bet 100 virtual dollars, pod bucks as we like to call them around here, on the three-way money line for each game. Home, home win, away win, or a draw. And we'll talk about some over-unders, we'll talk about the lines, we'll talk about um, all the kind of things that kind of make the game interesting. We'll talk about through kind of that context, as opposed to just uh, who's going to win, because us telling you that City are going to win isn't that interesting. Us telling you that is City worth the minus 500,000 that they're at? <laughs> Maybe it's more interesting. I, I don't know. Um, so we'll get started this week. Coming fresh off a big win, you've got Manchester United. Sorry, Will. I, I had to <laughs> stick it in there. Uh, you got Manchester United going to Southampton. Southampton is at plus 330. Manchester United is minus 130. A draw is at plus 285, and the over-under is at three. So, Will, you could expect potentially a uh, after a big emotional win. You could, you could see this as a trap game, right? No. No, this will not be a trap game, because if the inspiration and passion that I saw from Manchester United last week is there even part ways, as my family would say, um, then they should not have a problem with the Southampton team. Uh, I'm going to take Manchester United. Uh, I normally make a joke about House and Hunt to watch here, but like I'm, <laughs> I'm really just still grumpy about losing to them. So I don't even have analysis right now. All I got is they won a very emotional game and they're going to win the next game because they're a bunch of fucking cunts and Southampton aren't that good. So that's all the analysis you get from this. Fucking, I don't know, Sancho will score a goal, take off his shirt, do a backflip. I don't fucking know. 
Manchester United are going to be fine. I fucking hate it. They're going to win. Uh, fuck it. Take the over. They'll score five. Restore faith in humanity, and I'll go fucking piss off the side of a cliff. I don't know. All right, so I'm I'm not with you on the five, but I, I agree with most of what you're saying. And, and partly I think that the lineup that Ten Hag put out against Liverpool, I, I think he stays with much the same lineup uh, in this one. And I think what part of maybe what you saw in the first couple matches is, I don't want to say like Ten Hag giving players like rope to hang themselves with, but like <laughs> I, I feel like there was a little bit of, okay, you were here, like, we are going to give you every opportunity to keep your position. And I, I think maybe, like, what you saw against Liverpool was, like, Luke Shaw, it's been nice. How's the League Cup feel? <laughs> like, I I, th- I think, like, that's part of what are might be going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I think that might be some of what's going on at Manchester United. Like, I think Ten Hag is, I, I don't want to say, like, fed up or had enough but i think like it was we're gonna try all these guys if it does not work out like look we went out and got some new guys and we're gonna play them and i i think that's what you're gonna see i think you see a sharper manchester united because of it minus 130 seems like really good value to me um and we'll watch them play to a draw like sapoon picked uh so (laughs) we'll see I, i like manchester united in this game Moving on uh, to the next match, we've got Brentford at home at plus 105, plus favorites. We've got Everton at plus 270. A draw is at plus 235. The over-under is at two and a half. Calvert-Lewin is back in training uh, for Everton. Probably not going to be fit for this game, but maybe that's something to hold on to if you're an Everton fan. Will, I would like you to give me one single reason why I should not take Brentford as plus favorites in this game. Just one. Can you do it? I I think it's no. Uh, I mean, Everton won today. And sometimes a win can make you feel good and inspire you on to better performances. Um... It's not going to fucking be the case because Brentford's going to win this match. They're playing in that lovely little stadium. They're plus favorites. They had a day against Manchester United, and and that was at home as well. So I'd say at home against an Everton team who's, you know, as galvanizing as a win over Tranmere Rovers might be, I don't think it's enough to get this Everton team super inspired to be any better than they are right now, which is complete hot butt trash. And I'm well aware my team is hot butt trash, but we're still above yours. So, yeah, I would take Brentford in this one. Uh, I recently just picked up uh, one Mr. Ivan Tony for my fantasy team. Boy might go out and score him one because Everton are susceptible to goals. And, uh, <laughs> and for as negative as I've been on this podcast, I kind of want something nice to happen for me. So, yeah, I'm going to take Brentford plus favorites. think the home crowd will be rocking. I think they'll be up a little bit more for this because they know they can take a scalp off of Everton. Uh, also, I keep talking Hasselhoff to watch. Bruh, Lampard watch. 2022-2023. Get around it. I, I love that you take the second to point out that you are above Everton on a table. Your team has less points than a Dorito, but I'm going in on them. Doritos are delicious. Don't you mock them. (laughs) They are delicious. (laughs) Fuck cool ranch though. Um, (gasps) Yep. I said it. Nacho cheese all the way. Spicy Um, nacho. 
So for me, I look, it's Brentford at home. They generally play well at home. I, I plus favorites. Like what more do you want from me here? Like <laughs> this is going to be Brentford all the way. I think, like, I, I think they're just a better team than Everton. You throw into the mix that Gordon may be on Chelsea or on his way to Chelsea, or perhaps just taking personal days. Like Wesley Fafon <laughs> is doing at Leicester. Like, I don't know. Um, I, I think that you see a Brentford team that comes out and, and just really takes it to Everton. And I don't think they're going to have an answer um, for Brentford overall. Uh, but, you know, that's why I play the games. Moving on to the next one. I think this is a real interesting line here in this game. We've got Brighton at minus 115, Leeds at plus 300, a draw at plus 255, and over-under is at two and a half. As far as injuries, uh, Bamford looks like he's getting close to coming back. Um, I would question why that would make a difference in this game after seeing how Rodrigo's played. Uh, but, you know, your mileage may vary there. Uh, Will, what do you have for this one? I was about to say the same thing. Y'all know I'd be standing on Patrick, Patrick Bamford, but I'm like, does he even does he really need to be here right now? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Um, this line... I want this line to be the line in the previous match because I do think that this Brighton yeah, team I agree. are very, very good. And they are playing at the Amex, which is a fortress because I have to quote myself from earlier. But they're playing a Leeds team. Who is going to be up for it? Who is going to press them hard? And it, this – this is a tactical matchup that if you really, really like football, you want to see. You want to see how Graham Potter, Potter prepares for a team who's going to press a little bit more. You want to see how Jesse Marsh is going to deal with a guy who's also on the rise like him. These are two guys who are going to be managing for a hot minute, be it here or various places around the world. I think this is going to – this match should slap. I said that about a couple matches before, and they haven't. So I'm going to hold out hope that I'm right here. Loki, I'm gonna take Leeds. I think, I think that performance from Leeds last week is enough to galvanize them and think that they can go on the road and I'm gonna say win, but at least pip a point off of a team who I think they're gonna see themselves on level footing now. I forgot to mention Brighton earlier when I was talking about teams who are kind of bubbling around because this is a team who's going to be bubbling around. I think there's real, real good talent on both sides of the ball. I think there's real, real good talent between the brains of both the managers. If this match doesn't slap, I'm going to be upset. But I think that Leeds coming off that big performance against Chelsea have just a tidbit more momentum. The Amex will be rocking. Everyone will be up for it. But Leeds SA, until I can come up with a better name than that, is going to take this. Uh, don't worry, I'm going to frankly be working on that over the weekend, and I will have a better joke for you when I come back next week. I, this is a this is a really tough one in the, in the context of these lines because I think these two teams are pretty even overall. Like I I think I expect this will be a really good match as you kind of indicated. Will if this were a neutral site, I, I would expect. Uh, almost even odds for both both well not even odds because you'd have the draw in there but i i would expect them to have very similar lines here but it is at amex and i do think that makes a difference brighton are playing very well uh so far this year you've got danny welbeck looking like a, a guy who's finally fit and like finally 
taking over as like the main guy to place and, and looks good uh, there at Brighton. And that's kind of what they missed for a while is the center forward that looks good. Um, and, you know, Trossard is doing his thing. Uh, you've got uh, McAllister uh, is also contributing. Like there's some good players pitching in at Brighton. I also think it's kind of a spot where Leeds could have a little bit of a letdown after a big, big win uh, in front of the home fans. I feel like maybe they take just a slight step back. So I'm going to draw in this game. I think these two teams are pretty even, and and that's kind of how it will play out. But look, if Leeds win, that's not going to surprise me. And if Brighton wins, that's not going to surprise me either. I'd be really interested in if you can find Leeds on a like plus spread, so if like, you can get leads at half a point or even a goal, I think that might be the way to play this game. Moving on to the next one, we've got Chelsea at Stamford Bridge coming back from Leeds, as we just mentioned, at minus 245. Leicester at plus 625. A draw at plus 380. Over under is at three. Uh, for Chelsea, we've got uh, Koulibaly out for the red card. Uh, Conte and Kovacic continue to be out. Uh, Broja is looking like he's going to be uh, 50-50 for this game. It, it might be kind of a game-time decision. You wouldn't expect him to start, but I could see Tuchel deciding he wants to tear up the entire lineup from what played last week. How do you see this one going, Will? I hate to reference wrestling because I know most of y'all don't listen to it, but he said tear up the team sheet, and I was just like, Vince McMahon backstage tearing up the script right before the show goes on. Uh, Thomas Tuchel's a better person than Vince McMahon, so that's fine. Um, lots of people call <laughs> that statement. <laughs> I I can name seventeen off the top of my head. Uh, this is the dumbass bet of the week, y'all, and here's why. Uh, Lester tend to always be a force for the we're bubbling under group, and they typically do it by putting out a performance against a big six team that you weren't expecting. Uh, they come out, they put in a performance, you go, oh my gosh, Leicester has people who are very, very talented and they can do something. And then they meander their way through the rest of the season, earning just enough points to kind of be in the conversation for Europe before falling apart miserably towards the end of the season and occasionally winning an FA Cup out of that. Uh, that's what's going to happen here, man. Leicester have to show up at some point. Chelsea need a tidbit more pressure on them to be the Chelsea that they're supposed to be a.k.a. A, a team who needs a striker who won't get it but still have enough talent to just run over everybody on the day. Uh, and this is where it happens. I'm taking Leicester. I think I, I, there's far more talent on Chelsea's side than there is on Leicester's side, to be completely honest. But I think that this Leicester team is uneven enough that occasionally on the day they can find a team out. And I think this Chelsea team now coming off the back of a very emotional performance against Tottenham and a very butt booty butt performance against Leeds can get found out again here. And honestly, if I'm going to be miserable this week, then so should Chelsea fans at their own fucking home. So yeah, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to fucking take Lester. I kind of, Brendan Rogers can always get one of these out on you. He can always kind of manage up the boys for a big match like this. And I think that the time is right for Chelsea to really get found out, get found out. If Chelsea win and I get found out, I'm not going to be too butthurt about it. One, because it's the dumbass bet of the week, and I preface it with those words specifically. But two, the onus is on Chelsea here, man. 
Leicester is you have to have a performance right now if you're Chelsea. They're even though Leicester are just are a football club who play football in the Premier League right now, the onus is on Chelsea to come out and put a performance. And I just don't think they have the right mentality to come out and do that right now. So yeah. Hashtag clock quotes, mentality monsters, whatever you want to fucking say. I don't I don't think Chelsea got that dog in them. And the fox is kind of a dog, according to fucking whatever I learned in seventh grade. So Lester got that dog in him. I'm taking Lester. I think you should put heavy emphasis on the Lester football club that play in the premiership right now. <laughs> um, because <laughs> For the time being. Jesus. Yeah, because like <laughs> that, it's not certain that it's going to be that same way next year. Um, Lester currently bottom of the league as far as expected points. If you follow under stats uh, expected points model, it, it's been real rough for Lester so far. You kind of want to see in this game to stay with your you know wrestling metaphor. You kind of want to hear some like weird song play over halftime and see like Wesley Fafana come out with the three on his chest to complete his heel turn. <laughs> yes, it's a heel turn. It's not a face turn, Chelsea. Like, don't at me. Um, <laughs> I look. I Chelsea are a much, much better team than Leicester. I even minus two forty-five at Stamford Bridge. I have no problem taking Chelsea in this game. I just don't see it from this Leicester team, and until I do, I I can't justify taking them. Like, I I just there is talent there. Like, Leicester are going to catch someone this year just because like there's worldies in guys like Madison and, and Harvey Barnes when he's back. Like there are, there is very good players there and they can catch you, but I just don't think it's going to be enough for Chelsea, especially not at Sanford bridge. Moving on to the next one. This is a really interesting line to me. We've got Liverpool at minus 1200, Burnmouth at plus 2,500, a draw at plus 900. The over-under is at three and a half. I, I understand where they're going with this line. It is at Anfield. I understand all of this. You look at like the Liverpool injury update. It's basically everyone's still out. Kate, uh, Naby Keita is a maybe. Uh, for this match and and grant like if Kata plays like i think that's a big boost for liverpool like when you talk about like the midfield and what they need like yep that's a big boost for them but if they if they don't have that and they're trotting out something similar to what they did to manchester united like i don't think it's a like liverpool just stomp at Burnmouth. like they probably win and maybe it's comfortable but it I don't think it's just like, like this implies like a four or five nil type thing is, is what, when I see my 1200, I expect a team to just go out and destroy a team. And I'm not sure I see that. What do you have? Will? this line is indicative of Bournemouth more than this Liverpool. And I'll just be blunt about that. Like this Liverpool team that I'm seeing before me does not seem a team who's about to go out and score four or five goals. Uh, is that because they're missing players because they decide to leave with their head? Is that because there's a bunch of injuries? Is that because I'm just pessimistic as shit for this episode? Probably all of that. But this line does feel off to me. I 
I don't think Bournemouth have too much for Liverpool here. There was a very interesting article today. I can't remember who published it because I read so much fucking shit throughout my day. Uh, that essentially said the fact that there, I think it might be the Sandfield. There, if you see a team like Liverpool go out and be susceptible like they are to a Manchester United team who people have been talking about being underperforming to the point of like, oh God, is Manchester United okay? And then come out and do that. Other teams kind of go, if them, why not us? Yeah. And there might be a little bit of that in Bournemouth. The difference is, even with the deficiencies in midfield, Bournemouth going, why not us? Means that the guys at Bournemouth have to play like fucking AC Milan circa 2005. Like, they got to be on their game and playing the best game, the best game they can. Um, that was not everyone says AC Milan because of Berman's kids. Like, I, I love it. Like, everyone picks AC Milan. I said 2005 and AC I'm Milan. Sorry. No, I said AC Milan and 2005. And I'm like, that was not in reference to Istanbul. That was based solely on the fact that they wear red and black kits. Like, had nothing to do with that. Just based solely on, like, the eye test legitimately. Um, I don't think this Bournemouth team has much force. The problem with the format of the show is that last week, I made the bet with my brain because I wanted to win. And I picked Manchester United because I've seen it happen before and I knew it was going to happen. In this situation, I feel like Liverpool are going to put in a performance and it's going to be fine and I'm going to be less grumpy. But also, I like winning on a personal level, specifically because I didn't win last week on a outside level. So I'm going to take the draw because the draw is the only thing that pays me right now. This line is stupid. And I hate it, and I'm taking the draw because at this point, my own heart needs to be okay instead of my Liverpool heart. Liverpool should win this easily. And if they don't win this easily, it's not just questions. If Liverpool don't win this easily, then there's going to be a lot of talk about why. Like, I know we got injuries, and I know that when they come back, we'll be fine in the midfield, but, like, sometimes you just got to throw some money you're not using on your fucking failing baseball team at a player to put in the midfield to maybe help the guys along. Is Nabi Keita that guy who can come in there and help him along? Probably. Do you trust the fact that he's healthy for the entire season? Not at all. <laughs> I I want to see what Liverpool do in the days going ahead, but I'm going to go ahead and go with the draw because it's the smart money. But just know that I'm expecting Liverpool to win this match fucking handily yeah you hinted at something i think is a key point in there where where it's when teams are just so dominant as liverpool have been at times over the last like three four years same same with city teams want to come out and give you their best but as soon as there's a minor setback like everyone's like oh shit like we're playing these fucking guys they're killing us like that sort of thing and teams just kind of crumble a little bit and i think you're right to point out that not and, and I don't think it's just Manchester United. Like I think it's also going to be Palace, and it's also going to be Fulham in the back of people's heads of looking at us and go, you know, like even they get a goal on us, like why can't we come back? Like I, I think there's going to be some of that, and I think that might make it more difficult for Liverpool at times this year, where it's just I, teams can give you another gear when like a like everyone wants to take the scalp of a big team, like everyone wants to do it. I from watching 
you know, Arsenal the last like three, four years while we've been struggling. Like there are a few things that teams revel in more than just getting one over on the quote unquote big teams. And so like that Liverpool name brand to, win, that yep, name brand win. Yep. A hundred percent. And I, I would have concerns about that. So here's the thing. I, I'm a hundred percent with you. Well, like I cannot endorse this Liverpool team at minus 1200 against basically anyone above league one right now. Like I, I, I think like, well, I shouldn't say anyone. Like there are definitely Don't you teams. Don't put respect on Luton Town like that. Their yeah, logo's yeah, yeah, a fair. hat. Fair, 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 fair. Like we'll say the bot, like the bottom half of the championship <laughs> instead of League One. Um, but I, I just think like where Liverpool are right now with all of these injuries, with Nunez suspended, like with all of that, I think that you just can't take minus twelve hundred. Like, I just think you can't do that. So, for me, in real life, this is 100% a stay away. Because we have to do something for the purpose of the show, like, I'm taking a draw as well. Like, I I cannot see Bournemouth winning this game. Like, I, yeah. Like, that from watching Arsenal-Bournemouth this past week, like, there are some players, like, I, I will say that there are guys that are physical on that Bournemouth team and can maybe go at the back line, but... They're just not good enough overall. Like I and and I'm very comfortable with that. Um, you got anything else on this game, Will? The just on a Liverpool perspective, the performance of the back four needs to kind of be as tight as humanly possible because if there's any sort of weakness that they show, that's going to give the rest of the league onus to kind of go out and get them. Uh, just to piggyback Ooh. off my own comment, Konate not being there, Liverpool kind of need their new big man back as quickly as possible. So hopefully Bournemouth don't exploit that. Uh, hopefully no one from Bournemouth is listening to this. And if you are, fuck you temporarily. But give us a five-star review. I still <laughs> and love subscribe. You, <laughs> yeah. Reggie, um, Reggie, I love you. I'm sorry. It was an insult. <laughs> I know how one dare you, sir. How Jeez. dare you? Um, yeah, I, I understand you want like the tight back four, but like, that's not a thing that your team does. Like it, it's just not like cloth at no point has ever shown that he has a willingness to change like I the high line big and boys the, in the middle. I just want my t- large men in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, like that, that's a big part of it is Van Dyke and whether it's Kanade Matip. And I, I think Gomez has it in him. It's just like, he hasn't played as much as he really needs to, um, to, to be that guy. Like I, a lot of your system relies on those guys winning one-on-one matches in space. And when it doesn't happen, that's a problem. I, I don't think Bournemouth can exploit that. Like, I, I just, I don't think they have the talent to, but I, I do think it's a little bit of a problem for you guys going forward. Moving on to our next match. We've got Man City back at the Etihad at minus 575, taking on Crystal Palace at plus 1300 with a draw at plus 625. The over-under is at three. Uh, City's got dealing with a couple injuries. Grealish looks like he's about 50-50 to go. Nathan Ake is going to be doubtful for this game. Uh, we'll probably have a late fitness test type thing. We'll know more Friday. Talk to me, Will. What, what do you got for this game? Okay, I think that Ake being out, like, we know City can rotate guys all day, 
But Newcastle, I'm not going to say exploited, but once Ake went out, they were able to take advantage of the fact that City still had to find their bearings with the team they had put on the pitch. I don't ever think it's about City, like, missing a player and being like, oh, God, we're falling apart, like another team we all know and love so much. I think it's more of a in the time before City can figure out what they're doing with the team they have on the pitch is when you can take advantage of that. I think with Ake not there, possibly, Palace can take advantage of that. I think with Grealish kind of sort of not being there, Palace can take advantage of that. It's finding City at moments where they have to kind of figure out what they've done and drilled into themselves and catching them before they can get their feet back under them. Because uh, once they do, you get the result you had last week. I'm going with draw. I think it's it's it sounds absurd because I've done bets like this before. I want to put my eggs in the palace basket and say maybe they can come out and like catch them out. But the Etihad has been a lot like City have been doing very well at home. They. This Palace team does have the talent to exploit the fact that they are missing people who should be in their best in their starting 11 because their best starting 11 is whatever the fuck they pitch right now. So I think that they're susceptible. And if they come out, if Zaha puts pressure on that back line early on, there might be some trouble. But I don't see it getting too out of hand that it's not going to be a draw. One thing I will say before I let you go, Brayden, is that if this is a draw, like I kind of hope it's a draw, because I want to watch the media spiral for City having two straight draws be the same as everyone else who's like not gotten off to the hottest start this season, if only so it can comfort my own mind. Because I guarantee you, if this is a draw, everybody's going to come on and go, what does she need to do to get their stuff straight? It's what's going on with City right now. It's two straight draws, and they supposed to be world beaters. Is is Holland worth his the pounds and sand? I forgot what I was trying to say there, but you get the point. I'm more interested to see what happens after this because I do kind of believe this is going to be a draw. I think Palace takes it to them. I think me talking about Palace causing trouble starts here. I think they have a decent performance on the road. I think they take the draw. I hope they take the draw. I'm going to pray to every available God that they take the draw, including Robbie Fowler. Please hear me. I don't know why you put your faith in false idols in Dennis. We trust. Um, I, <laughs> so for me on this one, I, I'll get this straight out of the way. Similar to Liverpool. I'm not taking Man City at minus 575. Like I, I'm just not going to do it against what I think is a good palace team. Like, look, palace have been, very like I know Arsenal won two nil. If you look at XG, that game was much closer. Palace were very well prepared to play us like in the opener of the season. Very well prepared to play us last year when they took four points off us. Off us. I think also well prepared to play Liverpool. Um, when when that match happened, and I expect them to be very very well prepared for City. Fiera like has come from the city setup in the past. I, Palace played city very, very well last year. I think plus 1300 for palace. Look, if you want to shot in the dark, like I would not bet a full unit. Like we only bet in full units here. So like don't follow this exactly, but like 
Palace with like a smaller bet at plus 1300 makes a lot of sense to me because I do think Palace is good enough. Like, and do yourself a favor before, before you bet on this game, go back and watch extended highlights of Zaha versus Matt Cash and St. Maximum versus Kyle Walker. And just ask yourself if you think the same thing could happen in both of those, because I think it can, like, I do think that Zaha versus Kyle Walker is a matchup that Zaha can win, especially with some of the talent they have around there. I think that is Palace going to win? Probably not. Like, it's probably going to be a city win. Like I, I want to be very, very clear about that, but for these odds for the line that you're getting for me, this is palace. So I, I'm going to take crystal palace. I'm going to go with Patrick Vieira. Um, is this going to work out? Of course not, but <laughs> I, I I'm going to lean into it. And honestly, so I joke about whether it's, it's going to work out or not. Like it, I haven't looked at the spreads yet, but if you can find palace at like plus 1.5 goals, I'm very interested in that. Like I, that every day. I, I do think that this is going to be a close, well-contested match because I do think Palace will be ready to play a City team. Uh, one thing that could be a negative is City had a little setback last week, and perhaps that's an issue. Uh, but I, I expect City to. I, I expect this to be a very good match. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Moving on to the next one, we've got Arsenal back at the Emirates, minus 325, taking on Fulham, plus 800, a draws at plus 460, over-unders at three, not too much in the way of meaningful injuries and suspensions for either of these two teams. What do you got for me here, Will? Well, you know what I'm going to start with? What matches it? It's a London Derby! Every week, if you live in London, there's going to be two teams playing each other who probably don't even know what part of the town they play in because there's 53 teams in London in the Premier League, and it's fine. Um, that joke is only for me at this point, and I'm completely okay with it. Every week's a London derby. It's a big city, Will. <laughs> hey, man. Every week's not a Atlanta derby, and I just got to watch the Mets and Yankees play for the fourth time yesterday. Doesn't happen everywhere, man. Um, don't give New York a third baseball team. They're already insufferable. Um, it's Arsenal, right? It's at home. They're flying high. This Fulham team can cause fits, but I think this Arsenal team, to hit you with a mid 2010s quote, built different. Uh, legitimately, I think this is Arsenal team that swagger is not the word I want to use, although I can kind of see it. Uh, not even chip on the shoulder. They they play, to uh, use a famous sports quote, they are who they thought they were, and they think who they think they are. They kind of play like they know their arsenal. They know they're that good. And coming out against a Fulham team, newly promoted, have put some decent performances in against other teams who are not necessarily near them, but who are kind of you know above their weight. I think Arsenal come out here, nose to the grindstone, know they got to put in performance and put in a decent one. I did, you know, I I might take the over on this one. Not necessarily that they're going to come out here and like stomp them and make Fulham look inefficient. They're going to come out here and make Fulham look a decent side who they beat the brakes off of. 
I think this is an Arsenal team who's going to come out and, like like I said, they're going to make Fulham look decent, but they're going to beat the hell out of them. I'm taking Arsenal, even though it's not going to be the best payout. This Fulham team, again, can cause fits and spurts where they were, and a lesser team might have more fits and spurts, but, like, the loving arms of Jesus, man. Arsenal's about their shit, and, and for the first time in a long time, I'm going to say this out loud, the Emirates will be rocking. Mostly because it's a bunch of their cousins who live across town who they're going to have to deal with. So why not go ahead and beat them? I got Arsenal. This seems like a walk in the park almost, which is surprising from a Fulham team who's kind of had a decent start to the season. I'm not going walk in the park. I, I think this will be a competitive match. But, like, look, I, I agree with you. This is Arsenal. Um, I I like the over in this the over three, I like potentially both teams to score. Cause like, look, Mitrovic seems to be finally ready to play in the Premier League this year. Like he, he looks like he has developed as an all around player and is going to be a force in the league this year. Um, I, it would not surprise me if he got one in this game, but I do think it'll be one. I think Arsenal are clicking right now. And if they can keep this momentum, like, yes, there's bigger challenges ahead. But there's a little bit different gravy to this team right now. Like uh, some things that we haven't seen from Arsenal in a long time. For for one, they played with the same lineup the first three matches for the first time since 2003-2004. So uh, essentially we're going to go undefeated <laughs> again. Like we're going invincible. So it's science, history, whichever you want to say. Moving on to the next, I'm not even going to let you go. <laughs> Moving on to the next game. We got Aston Villa at home, plus 130. West Ham visiting at plus 215. The draw is at plus 225. The over-under is at two and a half. Uh, Kufal will likely um, will likely be back um, from a concussion. Uh, Dawson is still going to be doubtful for this game. What do you got here, Will? Just because just he's not here. I want to give a shout out to Sapoon, who I don't know if he's on to something, but he has said that he expects West Ham to take a couple steps back. And so far, he's proved himself true. A yeah, broken sure. clock is right twice a day. We're going to let him have his one. And then somewhere in January, he'll be right twice. And then in May, he'll be right three times. And, uh, you know, just throw a shoe at him or something. I'm going to side with him on this one because I feel like Villa Park's going to be up for it. I feel like. They're going to kind of be desperate for a decent performance here. Those fans will get behind them. And I just haven't seen anything from West Ham that inspires me to, like, conf- not necessarily confidence, but, like, to pick them out right. Um, I could definitely see a draw on this because it's two teams who are kind of underperforming where I thought they would be. At this point in the season, I could also see two teams showing up in the same kit because they don't know how to get their own heads out of their asses right now. Uh, and if you know anything about kits... They wear essentially the same thing, just like Burnley. Uh, it's this declared blue fucking declared. Whatever the fucking colors are, they wear the same thing. I was trying to make a joke about it. I've lost the plot at this point. I'm taking Villa. I think Stevie G can get the boy off the snide. Get the boys off the snide. I think there's questions for Moyes. I think there's some signings that they may want to try to do if they can before the window is up. That would improve this West Ham team. But for right now, they're not going to improve. Villa needs a performance. Villa needs a win. Fucking, I, I can't remember the Steven Gerrard song because I've already used up all of my pertinent points being angrier <laughs> earlier in the show. So I'm just going to go ahead and take Villa 
and stop trying to expound when I don't need to. Villa should win this match. They're at home. Holton will be rocking. West Ham have some trouble ahead. You're lucky that Sapoon is not here to sing you a Steven Gerrard song if you say you can't remember any. Um, Everyone slips! <laughs> um, so for me, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, Villa are one of the most unpredictable teams in the Premier League right now. Like I, I just don't know what's coming from them. Um, so they've had a rough start. They're going back to they're going back to the home stadium. Like I can't believe I'm buying into this. But like I also kind of agree that West Ham are off to a slow start. Maybe it's time to start thinking about whether. Whether you believe in like manager cycles, like if you if you're at somewhere for a while with the same players, if it just gets stale, like or whether you just think that like West Ham after getting so close to uh, being in higher spots in Europe and and that sort of thing, thing are just like there's a little bit of hangover effect from that. Like whatever you want to say, like this West Ham team does not look like the West Ham that we've seen like the last couple of years. So. For me, I'm going to go with Villa. They're plus favorites. That's how I'm justifying it. I'm going to stay with my plus favorites and, and kind of call it a day there. But, like, I I just don't know what to say about this Villa team right now. Like, in, in the words of Gattuso, sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, we've got uh, Wolverhampton Wolves at plus 170. Newcastle at plus 175. Interesting. Draw at plus 205. The over-under is at two and a half. Uh, for Newcastle, we've got Callum Wilson, doubtful with a hamstring. Dan Byrne, doubtful with concussion. Ryan Frazier probably has a late fitness test to see if he's able to play this match. Um, a little banged up for Newcastle, but I thought this line was... a. I was surprised at Newcastle's line here. I'll I'll just say that. I for me this is a two two teams passing in the night. Uh, this Wolves team, uh, very early on in this show, we were very high on Wolves and them trying to make the next step to like being contenders for Europe and things like that. And I still think that there is a chance for them to do that. They are very much kind of slipping into like cold Tuesday Stoke territory right now. Whereas Newcastle, pumped full of that uh, delicious blood money, uh, are on the rise right now. And a team who is coming off of, you know, even though they ship some goals to the champions, who's coming off of a draw with the champions who are essentially, uh, outside of not being able to win anything in Europe, fucking world beaters. You gotta kind of assume that Newcastle's going to be galvanized by that. The is never an easy place to play. But I think this Newcastle team is, to quote myself from earlier, built different. And even with the injuries, I'm going to take Newcastle. I think Newcastle, if you want to make a statement, if you want to signal your intent of the kind of team you're going to be going forward, playing a team who is who was right now damn sure lateral to you and beating them, even if it's a close victory, just a win against a team like Wolves, who is in that same melting pot that you are will do them some good and i believe in eddie howe and i kind of believe in this process i'm also just kind of rooting for miguel almiron to have a decent time because if atlanta united can't then someone who we help make okay can and will and should 
and has to because I need happiness in my life, damn it. So I'm going to take Newcastle, and I don't have any qualms about that. I think there's still a little bit to be shown from this Wolves team. I think it may come later on in the season because uh, they are a team who typically does performs well uh, after January and like starts to stack up points and make themselves more of a threat. So, yeah, I'm taking Newcastle. I know normally I have to like justify it with a bunch of like fancy words, but I'm well, I did just justify it with a bunch of fancy words, but I didn't need all of them, which is something that I need to think about in my own personal time. So in real life, I wait to place my bet until the lineups are announced. If Callum Wilson plays, I really like the over in this game. Uh, this Wolves team is not as stingy at the back as they've been previously, but I think you're still getting lines like they're this team that's like just locked down at the back, and, and that's not really who they are. Like I, I think that they're uh, trying to play more expansive. They're in the middle of a little bit of system change, and I think uh, it's... I think they maybe have the talent to get there, but it, it, there's going to be some teething problems. And I, I think that's kind of what Wolves are in the middle of right now. So I'm going to go with Newcastle as well. I know that it is plus favorites. It's very hard for me to go against that. It's not in my nature. But I I think Newcastle are a better team. I, I do have some, some concerns around the injuries that Newcastle has. And so maybe that's a concern. But, you know, maybe... Alexander Isaac steps in and just like is that guy straight away. I, that nightmare. That is something to watch as well because if Callum Wilson doesn't play and it's Chris Wood up there, I do have some concerns there. I'm definitely not taking the over at that point. And I have some concerns about Newcastle's ability to like really pepper the goal. And and that would probably change my opinion to a draw. It changes the pace of the team too. Putting Chris yes. Wood there, like it definitely, like the way the team plays, you can see they want to play counterattacking. You see they want to play fast. Chris Wood is a not fast. Big, yeah, he's a big guy who is there and uh, is also big. Uh, it's it, Andy Carroll is what I'm thinking of. Like, he he big and he tall and he big and he tall. And if you kick it to him, he gonna be big and tall in the box. And it's going to change the way they play. So uh, here's hoping he doesn't see the field too much for the sake of my own bet. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I'll back you on that. Um, so moving on to the last match of the weekend, we got Nottingham Forest at home, plus 525, Tottenham at minus 210, a draw is at plus 360, the over-under is at three. Romero remains doubtful for Spurs. Um, maybe try, maybe listen to like he is coming back closer to fitness from what I hear. So maybe follow up with like some press conferences and that sort of thing on Friday when managers typically go through their rounds and, and see what uh, Conte has to say about it. Um, what you got here, Will? I thought you were going to name some sort of like random. Tottenham blog. I'm like expressions oozing. That guy. He's the only <laughs> college expert. free captain. Is the uh, Bleacher Report one, um, which oh, yeah. is, is a fantastic name. Like I, I hate to give them credit for anything, but if I'm going to give them credit for something, it's going to be the name of their SB Nation blog. <laughs> I, I can't even be mad at that. To be completely honest, I want to pick Forrest real bad. I really do because I. I want to pick Forrest bad because there's a part of me that has just 
lived the Premier League waiting for Spurs to kind of Spursy it up. And sometimes it happens way late. I feel like now is the perfect time for them to have a draw and like make Forrest look a tidbit better than they are. But I just can't do it. Uh, I'm going to take Tottenham in this one. I th- it's going to be a rough place to go on the road. But I think that if you're this Tottenham team, you want to go into a place, especially a newly promoted team, especially with all of all of the forestness that comes with force that we've been champions, we've won Europe, all this stuff. They've done shit that they've never done. Um, that should come with that, and it should be a cauldron when they walk into there. But much like this Arsenal team I was talking about earlier, Tottenham teams just builds a little bit different. Uh, their win last week, that's one of those wins that typically Tottenham just fritter away and you don't have to worry about it. So to see if they can come out and kind of eke a win out of a game where they could have very easily let me make some jokes about them, kind of expect the same performance this week. Kind of expect this Forest team to go out and put it to them, see if they can test them early. Kind of expect the Tottenham team to be able to shut them down towards the back end. So, yeah, Adele's going to have a fucking fantastic day because Spurs are going to win. Also, I just remember that Adele's a Spurs fan, and it makes my heart real sad because she's too pretty to like a team that's just that bad. It explains why all of her songs were so, so sad, though. <laughs> um, Hello, it's Kane. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm mostly here with you, Well, Like, I, I think there is a possibility that some people over-index a little bit the the home performance that Forrest had in the first match. I think they're always going to have a big performance in that. The first match back in the Premier League, you saw all the VIPs come back out for that game. The stadium was rocking. I don't expect it to be quite that. Like I expect their fans to enjoy where they are, and I expect them to make a lot of noise and that sort of thing, but I don't expect it to be quite at that level. And because of that, I I just think that Spurs will be capable of handling this. Like I, I think that it's it doesn't take much to say that they're a better team. I, I think they are. Um could Forrest pull off something? It's definitely possible. Like I, I there is some talent there, but I, I think that Spurs are just a better team overall. I think Conte will have them ready for this challenge. And I, I think that's gonna be the difference in the game. So I, I've got Spurs here. Any other final comments before we wrap up, Will? No. Uh, I The one thing I will say is uh, if you listen to this podcast and you need something to do throughout the week, just remember there are other leagues, there are other teams, and they all involve England. I watched Carabao Cup, and I had a great time. So, like, don't let yourself go football starved. Check out some midweek stuff. Check out some championship. Check out some, uh, you know, check out some conference league. Check out all the football you can. Be worldly. Learn some stuff. Learn some players. Have a good time. I am constantly trying to get people to watch more football with me. So if there's one thing that I can leave from this week, I had a miserable time with Liverpool. But I had a great time otherwise watching football. So, yeah, if your team loses, just become the neutral that you see in yourself and enjoy some good football. Uh, It may not always be good, but uh, it's fucking football. I don't know. Beats fucking darts. Beats fucking darts. I like it. <laughs> Next time with the darts academy. Yeah. Uh, so, so with that, thank you very much uh, for listening to us. Um, again, if you have a chance, leave us a five star review. Um, 
click subscribe. We'd love to hear from you. Um, you can find me on Twitter at, at TFA Braden. You can find Will at TFA Rizzler on Twitter. Sapoon, uh, who will be back next week, is TFA Sapoon. We'll be back next week to recap everything um, that happened this week and talk about how hilariously wrong all this went. And uh, we will talk to you then. Happy retirement, Ellen White. You deserve it.